Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from the 12 by 12 Picture Book Writing Challenge. Picture book authors need to be fairly prolific to be published. That's why members of 12 by 12 aim to write one picture book draft a month. Through an online forum, monthly webinars, a private Facebook group, and more, members enjoy the accountability, support, and motivation of a fantastic community of authors and illustrators. Registration is only open in January and February. Visit 12by12challenge.com slash membership for more information. That's 12x12challenge.com slash membership. Support also comes from Little Feminist Book Club. Little Feminist wants to help you diversify your child's bookshelf. Each month they send one to two books featuring characters of underrepresented backgrounds. Little Feminist spends months consulting with a team of educators, librarians, and parents to pick each book and create a suite of hands-on activities to accompany them. Whether it's treasure hunts or DIY musical instruments, the goal of the included activities is to make the stories come alive for both children and families. Go to littlefeminist.com and use the coupon code WINNER for $5 off when you order, or click on the link at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast to get started today. Raise good humans, one children's book at a time. And what if on top of all of that, this was the moment when she unexpectedly manifested superpowers? A quinceañera, or simply quince, is the celebration of a girl's 15th birthday, marking her passage from girlhood to womanhood. But what if becoming a woman also meant becoming a super? This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 493. I'm Matthew Winner, and today your host will be Mel Shewitt, longtime friend and author of the Let's Talk Picture Books blog. I'm sharing the reins with Mel today, and she has brought an exceptional conversation to share with all of you. Quince is a 15-issue comic book series created by Sebastian Kadlicic and authored by Kit Steinkellner and illustrated by Emma Steinkellner that was collected into a print trade paperback in 2017. The story follows Lupe, just your average, insecure, well-meaning, occasionally cranky teenage girl whose life is completely turned upside down when she discovers she has superpowers at her quinceanera. Her quince powers only last as long as she's 15, so over the course of this roller coaster year, 
We follow the adventures of Lupe as she figures out what it really means to be a hero. This comic is awesome, and I'm so glad Mel shared it with me. I hope you, too, get a chance to check it out. And now, please welcome guest host Mel Shewitt and the team behind Quince, Sebastian Kadlicek, Kit Steinkellner, and Emma Steinkellner. Uh, so my name's Sebastian. Uh, I'm the creator of Quince. And I wanted to do a project that focused on my family's heritage and culture and that showed Latinos in a positive way. And my wife and I had been going to, you know, all these family quinceañeras. And as I sat through them, I just kept thinking about the birthday girl and what she was going through and what she must be feeling in that moment. I mean, there's just so much that goes into planning a quince and just having all eyes on you, choosing the right dress. Like there's just so many things. And so I thought she must be feeling every single emotion in the book in this moment. And what if on top of all of that, this was the moment when she unexpectedly manifested superpowers? Because it reminded me of superhero stories that I had grown up with, where in moments of heightened emotion, that's like when it starts. So that was the most emotional moment that I could think of. And a quinceañera is so much about transition, you know, girl to young woman. Uh, it's a coming of age. So it all just seemed like really perfect. And a little bit after that, I was watching my nieces running around the living room dressed as superheroes. And I thought, this is awesome. You know, here are these two fierce, amazing Latinas running around dressed as Supergirl and Batgirl. Like superheroes are universal. And I believe that. But of course, my next thought was, wow, there's such limited representation in the superhero genre. Wouldn't it be awesome if they had a character that they could see themselves in, that they could feel represented them and, and that reflected their life, you know, both in the mask and also out of one, that when the, when the character goes home, that home life is something that they can recognize. And so my nieces were actually a huge inspiration. And thinking about them, thinking about you know, my mom, my abuela, my wife, you know, all of these amazing Latinas in my life uh, that deserve, you know, more representation, representation, and I feel are underserved. That was really where it became personal. And where I was like, okay, this has gone from like, this would be a cool idea to this is something I really feel passionate about and, and want to put out into the world. And I, I knew that I needed the best collaborators possible. And so <laughs> I was a uh, huge fan of uh, Kit and Emma. Kit and I had been friends, and I'll hand this over in, in one second, but Kit and I had been friends uh, for quite a while. We had done sort of like artsy theater together, and I'd always been a big fan of her writing and and working together. And then Emma and I actually had not met yet, but I was a big fan of Emma's as well. I'd seen both Kit and Emma do a webcomic together, and I just fell in love with both Kit's writing and Emma's art style. And to me, that was like, as I said, it was just like a lightning bolt hit me. It was like, this is the team. This is what's going to make Quince the best it could possibly be. So I reached out to both of them at the same time. I uh, just wrote up this email and sent it off and just hoped and prayed that they would say yes. <laughs> Spoiler, they did. <laughs> <laughs> so that seems like a pretty good introduction. Kit, do you want to kind of carry it from there? Yeah, absolutely. I'll I'll dig back even a little further. Um and talk about Emma and I starting to collaborate for a second. So I, when I was, oh God, let me think. <clears throat> in my early 20s, I went on, uh, I visited uh, my friend in Japan who was teaching English there. And it was an amazing trip. Um, and she was reading all these web comics. You know, it was, I'm trying to think. 
Uh, Andrews and Maria. Yes, Anders and Maria, questionable content. And I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't even know you could write a comic and put it online. I thought it was, you know, those were really for, you know, newspapers and and books. Um, but I just, I fell in love with the art form and I came back home and, and Emma was in high school at the time. And uh, I loved Emma's art so much. And I, and I both, wanted to work with Emma and, and, and create something with her that I loved and was proud of. And I also wanted to be a part of this world. So we created this comic together, Aces, um, which is about a high school newspaper. I, I would say it was like um, His Girl Friday meets um, like a WB show from the early 2000s, <laughs> like a Dawson's Creek. I would, but yeah, like much, I would much, much more inclusive. Um, <laughs> we, we had a really <laughs> spectrum of humanity in our students. It wasn't just all a bunch of like straight white kids. Sure. So, um, I was really proud of that. We were both really, really proud of that. And we wound that down. Um, and yeah, I knew Sebastian through Weird Theater. Um, he calls it artsy theater. I call it Weird Theater. <laughs> it was, both accurate it, descriptions. Yeah, yeah, it's experimental. It's actually kind of funny. Um, if there are any listeners who are into Genji Cohen, who of course created Orange is the New Black and um, produces Glow. Um, the the theater we used to do theater at, it was like, rat infested roach infested like giant theater complex um genji cohen took it over and now that's where like all the writers rooms and post and i think he's even got a stage or two for like orange is the new black for um glow like that's kind of where her empire is so like, our like scrappy weird theater became like a tv mogul's empire basically um <laughs> so that that's not kinsei so getting back to kinsei so yeah we all loved each other um like um you know, uh, Sebastian did a guest panel for us for our comic. I Emma did a, a pinup for um, Penguins versus Possums, which was uh, the comic Sebastian was writing at the time. Um, and uh, we oh, that was being tr Sebastian. It was just traditionally printed. It was never a web comic. Is, is that correct? Uh, Penguins versus Possums. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. It was just a traditional uh, comic book. Cool. 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 So anyway, so Sebastian emails us. It's one of my favorite emails I've ever received. It felt like this magical gift landed in my inbox. And I'll let Emma speak to the experience of receiving that email as well. But I mean, for me, I just, it, it's never a world or, or an idea I would have approached on my own. I, I certainly wouldn't have felt permission because it is not my culture, my family, but Sebastian really wanted the voice of, um, of someone who had been a teenage girl. Um, in so many ways, I still am a teenage girl so it really was um a nice fit um and also as a storyteller i really uh, the stuff i've been working on i've been mostly slice of life and grounded but i really really wanted to tell um i, I wanted to paint on a bigger canvas i wanted to tell a story that really felt epic and and, and you know had that kind of Joseph Campbell hero's journey quality to it. So I really um, got it. I, I just responded right away. It felt like a dream come true having that, that email come in. Emma, what about you? Uh, yeah, that, that email, I think we can all agree. It was uh, a life changer. <laughs> uh, it, and it came to me uh, with my junior year at Stanford. And I had been at that point kind of doing a tasting menu of types of comics that I wanted because I, I I knew that it was the medium that I really really loved to do but uh I, I I wanted to play with like the different types of comics that were part of my um they were part of my oeuvre um and at that point <laughs> I had been, <laughs> been doing a, a a comic strip kind of a diary comic strip for uh 
my school newspaper. Um, and that I really loved doing, but, uh, you know, everything has its kind of trade-offs. And when Sebastian came to us with Quince, I, I had never done anything, you know, with that much action in it, with that much, you know, supernatural content in it. But there was something about the core of Quince, which is this really, really passionate, confused teenage girl and the people that she loves and the, you know, the things that she cares about so deeply and and how she wants to defend them. And that, I think, you know, there there is a real... um, there is a real connection to mine kit's kind of creative heartstrings there. That is the type of the type of work that we love to do. So it was a it was just a no brainer to sign on with Kinse. Absolutely. That's a that's pretty amazing. And it feels like you guys know you guys have the paces down of this. That's amazing. Support for the children's book podcast comes from Viz Media. Viz is excited to announce that Pokemon Adventures, the most popular and longest-running Pokemon comic, is now available digitally. Visit viz.com Pokemon to read a free preview of the beloved All Ages series. That's viz.com Pokemon. Support for the Children's Book Podcast also comes from longtime supporter Storyteller Academy. Learn the art of storytelling from published authors, illustrators, and editors at Storyteller Academy. Sign up today at StorytellerAcademy.com. So there are so many um, pop culture references. I think at one point Lupe calls them pop cultural literacy uh, moments. (laughs) So um, did you guys sort of start off? I just, I love every single reference you guys make. I'm a huge Buffy fan and I have to say I discovered questionable content in XKCD during college and I just, so it's like the perfect little marriage there. So how did you guys sort of work with all of those references? Is that something that you guys sort of work together on? Or like Sebastian, did you come in saying like, I want her to sort of be this mixture of like Spider-Man and Buffy and... Well, what I'd come in with was, and I think what we all sort of felt was that um, Lupe was this very, as Emma mentioned, like, you know, she's trying to find her way. And we all have sort of these touchstones that we, of things that we love, which are like Buffy and et cetera. We grew up on that. At least Kit and I, I think Emma, I think you're the, the outlier I, there, I right? Hold out at this point. I still need to do it. <laughs> oh my God. At this point, I really would be watching the entirety of Buffy for you too, but I'm sure I would enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, do it I for us. But make also, no mistake. And I'm sure there's like a lot of Buffy fans listening. So I will say, as a fellow fan, um, I feel like the farther away we, further, farther. Uh, uh, the, the, <laughs> I've Googled it before and I can never remember which one's correct. Yeah. The more years that pass between the late 90s, early 2000s and now, I, I find, um, you know, they're, they're, look, I think at, at that moment in time, it was revolutionary. There are certain things about it that, that I find are not aging quite as well um and are not really keeping up with the um you know where feminism currently is where intersectional feminism is where representation is um in culture currently so i love it so much it will always have a place in my heart but i do feel proud of the fact that yeah this is a girl that grew up um sorry lupe i mean is 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 a girl growing up with um these Stones, the um, you know, the Spider-Man of it all, the Peter Parker of it all, the, the Buffy Summers of it all, 
but isn't seeing somebody that looks like her. And so even though she knows these tropes, she really is in some ways feeling like a, like a pioneer. Uh, I'm not saying that obviously there are, you know, there's especially increasingly a diverse uh, spectrum of superheroes and we just cheer every time we see a superhero that looks like no others. But I think for our character in this moment in time, she's feeling, um, you know, both she loves these touchstones and also does feel like she doesn't, quite connect the way she wants to. Also, I was trying to be as restrained as possible. Like I'm just like a pop culture junkie, but like I think in the writing I was like don't be too like witty and quippy. Just like like contain yourself on these references, but like what it, it is who the character is, it, I think it is who the world what the world is and it is really playing it for real. If you have if a kid today got superpowers, they would look to Marvel movies and to Netflix shows and, and try to figure out what to do based on that information, I, I believe. Yeah, I mean, we had talked about tonally. You mentioned Spider-Man even. Like, the, all those things that we wanted the fun of and we wanted the sort of poppiness of. But yeah, those those specific references, that's definitely popping out of Kit's brain, I think, at every at every moment. So it was just fun. I mean, the really cool thing, I'll just say really quickly is like even you know the book came out a year or two ago and and even like in the past few years like into the spider-verse has like blown things up and it's just i mean like i just like lupe would love into the spider-verse she'd go see it nine times you know like and it's just it's really exciting seeing the world both catch up to what we want and to what our heroine wants yeah yeah but i feel like you guys also walk this really wonderfully fine line of yes those are all pop culture references for her but there's a lot of references for people who are outsiders for this book too like you keep like the um there's a couple of students who call it a mexican bar mitzvah and as someone who had a bat mitzvah i'm like oh i know exactly what a quinceanera is even though i've never had the privilege of going to one so i feel like there are just so many touch points for so many people whether it's a pop culture touch point or just a general culture touch point you guys just sort of walked that line so well thank you yeah um can you guys talk a little bit about lupe's relationship with her abuela emma i would love to hear more about that and sort of where that did that sort of start with the creation is that something that you went in with sort of telling kit and emma you wanted to explore sebastian is that something that kit sort of started oh sebastian you take this one (laughs) um yeah i'll start off um the abuela was the heart of it from from the beginning, uh, that relationship was so important. There's something special uh, about a grandmother and a granddaughter, just any sort of grandparent and grandchild relationship, I think is really special. And I think that for me, you know, in the Latino culture, the generations, you know, that's just so important. And mm-hmm. that sort of that sort of relationship with an abuela is just such a special thing. And it was something that really felt like so important to the story and then of course like she's she's the one that shows the way you know I mean and I think that also just stems from being a teenager right like you feel like your parents don't understand you but you have this relationship with one generation removed where it's like oh you're like the sweetest thing that ever existed to a grandparent yeah they're best friends in the book right yeah exactly yeah exactly and so that also having this secret between them of the you know the the mentor and the mentee like that's just such a it just seemed like such a beautiful thing and as i said with my own you know nieces and stuff like just having the having an abuela that lives with you is such an interesting and specific you know set of circumstances where you 
are around each other all the time. And that sort of doting on each other and then how that gets complicated, I'll hand it off to you, Kit, but like how that gets complicated is also, I think, really, really, really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I, and I will just say first that, you know, we're always, especially in this specific graphic novel trying to subvert these superhero tropes and, and these kind of genre tropes. And when you look at the um, the mentor, um, you know, in Harry Potter, it is Dumbledore. In Lord of the Rings, it is Gandalf. Um, in X-Men, it's Professor X. And and they look similar. And Ian McKellen plays two. No, Ian McKellen's Magneto, sorry. Um, but, but anyway. But I get the point, point yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like Ian McKellen could play all those <laughs> yes, figures. absolutely. Um, be well cast. And, um, and it was really important for us to show a different magical mentor and, and, and a different relationship. And what that relationship looks like, not only when it's two women, but when it's two Latina women, when it is, um, you know, and, and, and they're intensely related. And yes, talk about the complications. We think it's what we were excited about was, yes, they've always been best friends. Things have always been so easy between the two of them. Because honestly, Abuela didn't have to parent Lupe. You know, like she has a complicated relationship with her parents because, um, they're her parents. Abuela just gets to be her fun, cool grandma. Yeah. And um, and then Abuela assumes the role of uh, mentor, and uh, and all of a sudden is this very brutal taskmaster, and things um get tense and tricky. And I mean, I think their relationship comes out stronger for the ordeals they go through, but they really do have to um, get through this. I, I have a joke that like, I I don't consider anyone my real friend unless I've had like a real like knockout drag out fight with knockdown drag out fight with them. Not a physical fight, obviously, oh, wow. but until I, no, <laughs> I got, until I mean, blood has been drawn. Yeah, no, exactly. No, no, never <laughs> physical. But like, until I have like a real conflict with somebody, like I, I don't feel like I'm actually in the trenches with them. Like everybody who I love dearly, be they, a family member or a friend, I can remember a time where we just like really, you know, went at it and got real and things got real tense and tricky, but you, you have to, I think in order to test the metal of a relationship and truly trust somebody, you have to have those moments. And so I'm, even though it's, it's tough, I think for Abuela and Lupe, they need to have those moments to really have, I think the, the, the rock solid relationship they both deserve. I just wanted to say too, like in terms of, of that relationship, like, um, Emma, Emma, the illustrator, not Emma, the abuela. <laughs> um, <laughs> Who, by like, the way, is, is not named after me. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's named after a family member. But the but it was all meant to be, it seems. Um, but just in terms of their relationship, like that artwork, uh, I just want to pay tribute. Like that, that strengthens that relationship so amazingly. And that, um, you know, Emma's an actor, basically, in, in this, you know, or a director in terms of like how they are interacting with each other, the facial expressions that they have, the love that you see on their faces and in their body language and stuff. I just really wanted to point that out for a second because I think it's so powerful, you know, and it's something that really blew me away and I think strengthens the whole, that whole dynamic between the two of them. I could not agree more. And I actually wanted to talk to Emma a little bit about the color scheme of the book, because I mean, even from the cover, you can tell that like, there's a bad guy in this book. You've got like the dark blacks and the greens. So I would love to hear sort of how you how you physically illustrated the book. Like, did you? I assume it was on like a tab or something like that. Yes. But I would love to know more about you know how you brought these characters to life and where you pulled your inspiration to create what they look like. Yeah. Uh, first off, I, I do illustrate digitally, um, and uh, it it just makes the entire editing process so much easier. <laughs> I imagine so. 
And, and you know, the, the nice part of collaborating with Kit and Sebastian is we're all pretty much kind of creative kindred spirits. We have a lot of the same instincts. So the editing process is also very easy because more often than not, <laughs> when I draw something, it does end up being kind of what Kit and Sebastian imagined, um, which is a, a beautiful, a beautiful thing that cannot <laughs> be taken for granted. Yeah. Um, yeah. But as far as illustrating the book, I mean, d character design is probably my favorite element of illustration just kind of thinking through the logic of what a you know what a character looks like who who is their family what is what is that family resemblance what do they how do they dress themselves how do they style themselves how do they gesture um and I Sebastian's right I am a performer and that's a lot of how I come to um how I come to illustration um but uh so for a lot of the characters they are drawn from, if not, you know, and no one is really whole cloth drawn from someone in real life in Kinsey or really in any of my work, but they'll kind of be amalgams of people I know or there, there's like something that inspiration I, from real life. Yes. And there's yeah. something I want to thematically echo, which is like for uh, our character uh, Garrett, who I wouldn't say is our um, villain per the se. hero He, yeah, he, well, I don't even know if he's that either. You know, he's just, <laughs> he's a troubled, a troubled yeah, guy. As, yeah, as he thinks he's an anti-hero, as yeah. he would, yeah. he would call yeah, Self-proclaimed. It, it all gets very muddled and complicated and discussed. Um, but <laughs> with him, there were, there were people in my life who I wanted to draw from who, I, you know, I consider to be very, very kind and sweet. And I think having a kind of incongruity there made a lot of sense to me. And having this sort of like corrupted version of like, Kit can tell you there, there are parts of Garrett that are, that are drawn, part of his gestures that are drawn from like our brother, uh, <laughs> who, who we love very much and is the, <laughs> the softest, sweetest, gentlest boy with, you know, he's got a little bit of a barb when he, when he wants to, but, um, but more often than not, uh, it's trying to uh, create just just visual interest there. And you're working on something new right now, right? Your uh, I guess you could call it your your author debut, The Okay Witch. <laughs> yes, The Okay Witch is my uh, my. I'm doing the words and the pictures. Oh, so uh, exciting! Yeah, that <laughs> comes awesome. out with Aladdin in the fall. And when I have a, a more precise date for you, I will you will be the first person I tell Mel. Oh, that would be amazing because I cannot <laughs> wait for it. I just, I love your, I love your illustration style. I just oh. can't wait to see what you have to write. It's going to be Thanks. amazing. Um, I've taken some sneak peeks and it is amazing. <laughs> and obviously I know everyone listening is going to think I, I am, I'm not objective, but as objective as one can be, um, just know that you guys are in for the biggest treat. <laughs> that's I'm so that's jealous the noise you want to make. I know, I'm also jealous over here, though I feel like you have more of a right to see it than I do. I'm still very jealous. <laughs> so I want to take a moment to thank the Children's Book Podcast host, Matthew Winner, for allowing me space here on his podcast to talk to you, the makers of Kinsey. This has been just an absolutely amazing conversation for me. And I want to thank all three of you for scheduling time to chat with me. It's so much fun to coordinate four schedules and you guys have been super <laughs> flexible. So thank you so much. Um, one of Matthew's uh, ways of ending his conversations is to ask his guests a specific question. Many of our listeners will see a library or a classroom full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that we can bring to them from you? 
for the children, I would say you are loved. And for the educators and the librarians, that you are also loved, whether the those children are expressing it or not, and whether they realize it or not yet, you are so incredibly important and keep up the hard work. I think a lot of them really life, would love to hear that. How about you, Kit? What would you tell a classroom full of children? Well, look, as long as we're in a classroom full of kids or a library, you know, a library, I would say that there are books all around you and books for me have gotten me through um, my darkest moments and, and the most uh, upsetting days of my life. Books have always been there to um, be my friends, to make me feel better, to teach me something, to give me a tool I need to keep going. Um, and so I, I, I would just say, you know, you are surrounded by friends um, and and in the form of of, of books. Um, I would also co-sign that you are loved. You are absolutely loved and valuable and, and, um, and just a big hug from Team Kinsey. Oh. Yeah, uh, I would absolutely echo you are loved uh, and and read you like read anything and everything. I truly believe that and I and I, I love comics. I always have and I to me they are absolutely as much literature as anything else and just read, read, read. It'll make you feel so good and make things. If you have an idea in your head, if you have a story in your head, write it down, get someone, you know, get a friend to, to write something with you. If you don't feel like it's good enough, get it out and then you'll see. And if you, and if you want to draw something to go along with it, do it. And the only way that you're ever, that it's ever going to happen is if, if you start writing, if you start drawing and, if you don't like it right away, then keep doing it, and someday you really will. This is Darshna Kiani, children's author and book blogger. Want to find out the latest South Asian books in children's literature? Check out www.flowering-minds.com forward slash South Asian Kidlet. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com forward slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individual's and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out with the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. Before we leave, I want to give a shout out to all of my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and keeping the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny, Sue, Amy, Sarah, Kate, Lisa, Darshna, Marianne, Jarrett, Anitra, Mike, Lynn, Link, Karina, Cynthia, Elaine, Doug, Judy, Amanda, Ruth, Laura, Teresa, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You're welcome to come with us, too. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. Teamwork makes the dream work, and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater. 
Thank you. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.